Ethereum is uh, basically a platform that provides a sort of completely generalized architecture for, for decentralized consensus. Because I wanted Ethereum to make things very trivial. I wanted to make it, you know, I wanted people to do Namecoin in two lines of code. Create your own currency in, in 10 lines. You are listening to Bitcoin, blockchain, and the technologies of our future with Naomi Brockwell. I'm here with Vitalik Buterin. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about sidechains? Sure. So the idea behind sidechains is something that's really been around for almost half a year now. So uh, about really even before that, people were, came up with this concept called a one-way peg, where the idea is, is that you can come up with uh, a new currency, and uh, the way that you would be able to get, get new units of that new, new currency is that you would destroy Bitcoins on the Bitcoin blockchain. So you would send them to some uh, address that's provably unspendable, like that one Bitcoin eater address don't, don't send or what or whatever, and then you would sub, you would create a proof that you that you made that transaction, and you would submit that proof into the second blockchain, and that proof would entitle you to get one unit of uh, of Bitcoin in the other blockchain. So, what that basically gives you is it gives you a distribution model that sort of allows you to convert your old bitcoins uh, in one system into new bitcoins in, an, in another system. But the problem is, is that there's no t- there's no two way convertibility. So, although it does put a price ceiling on the value of the of the new currency, at least for as long as the peg remains, it doesn't put a price floor. So. The idea of a two-way peg is is interesting. So, well, the way a two-way peg works is in order in order to get a coin in in chain B, what you do is you take take a coin in chain A and you send it into into a script. We'll call that we'll call that script X for now. And then you take a proof of that that you made that that transaction, submit it into chain B, and that entitles you to just mag- magically get a coin out of nowhere in chain B. So then, well, what is script X? So ScriptX is a script that says the following. If you can submit into the script a proof that you destroyed a coin in chain B, then you're allowed to un- unlock the coin behind the script. So the idea is it's this, this sort of uh, me- mechanism that bas- where basically the way that you get a coin in, in chain B is by taking a coin in chain A and sort of putting it, putting it into this kind of bank that, that then unlocks the, unlocks the coin to some other person who comes, who comes along with some, some other coin in chain B. So it allows for two-way convertibility. You can convert from chain A to chain B by putting a, a coin into the script, and then you convert from chain B to chain A by destroying a coin in chain B and then, taking, and then finding what, one of these scripts and submitting your transaction in chain B into the script, and you get a coin in chain A back. So the general point of this is that it allows you to create uh, currencies or uh, cryptographic systems that exist outside of Bitcoin from a a protocol standpoint, but are at the same time tied to Bitcoin, the currency unit. So in general, if you look at cryptocurrency uh, systems as a whole, you can fit them into basically four quadrants. So one quadrant is it's built on top of Bitcoin, the blockchain, and Bitcoin, the currency. That's just by definition Bitcoin itself. The second quadrant is it's built on top of Bitcoin, the blockchain, but not Bitcoin, the currency. So that's where meta protocols like MasterCoin, Covered Coins, and Counterparty come in. Then another quadrant is not built on top of the blockchain, not built on top of the currency. So that's where the Ethereum has been so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, the la- now we've, we have this uh, fourth quadrant, which is built on top of Bitcoin, the currency, without being built on top of Bitcoin, the blockchain. Right. Yeah. Uh, what do you think this means for the future of altcoins? Is it going to render them obsolete? Um, it really depends on what ki- what kind of altcoins. Like I think 
Quinn, if you're going to create some kind of sort of trivial um, single feature innovation on top of Bitcoin, I think those kinds of altcoins have been pretty, uh, have really been pretty much obsolete already. Like if you look at all these sort of t uh, tiny alts that make one tiny feature improvement, really the only one that stuck around is Litecoin. Uh, all the others are like five million, three million dollar market cap. Then if you look at some, if you look at altcoins that have where it's really all about the, specifically the currency being different. So if you look at something like uh, Primecoin, where the point is to pay people in currency for finding these chains of prime numbers, or Dogecoin, where the point is, is that it's, you're not supposed to focus on the monetary value. Yeah, yeah so in those cases, it, it actually does make sense to have a different monetary unit. So then if you look at uh, things that, are, that aren't really coins so much as abstract crypto systems, something like Ethereum. So nice, the nice thing about Ethereum is that, as I was mentioning in uh, my uh, presentation yesterday, Ethereum is not a coin. We're a generalized platform for building anything. And the point is to, that you're supposed to do whatever experimentation you want inside of this mechanism that's called contracts. And so, you know, Ether is uh, the, main the main mechanism for paying transaction fees on top of Ethereum. But also, the nice thing about Ethereum is that you can also use other currencies. Like, you can use that currency that tracks, it uses financial derivatives to, tr to perfectly track the price of a US dollar. You can use backed currencies and you can you you can use all sorts all sorts of uh, commodity basket currencies indices or now you can also have a contract which acts as a bitcoin sidechain right. yeah well, that's really exciting and do you see any do you see any uh, potential security risks with sidechains in uh, that they're sort of, sort of unbearable until they go back onto the blockchain yeah, so there are a few uh, a few issues that people have pointed out. So one of the issues is that because this is a side chain, is not going to be able to be, come up with its own currency units because it's just, because all of the currency units inside the system have to be backed by bitcoins unless unless you want to create a side chain which is a fractional reserve. But that's obviously going to be really unstable. So the problem is that there's no way to reward miners for mining it. So there's really two big solutions for that. So one solution is proof of stake. So that's actually a solution that. I haven't seen anyone else talking about in the recent discussion, but it's there. And then the other solution is this concept of merge mining with Bitcoin. So the way that merge mining works is uh, basically you have Bitcoin miners simultaneously in their blocks include hashes of the Bitcoin block and also hashes of the, of the sidechain block. So sidechain, so for basically no, uh, very little extra cost, the miners are also supporting the sidechain. So, yeah, the security issue is that because these, uh, because these uh, side chains are trivial to mine for Bitcoin miners, they're also trivial to attack for Bitcoin miners. So if you have a side chain, then unless you can get more than 50% of Bitcoin's network hash power backing you, you know, say if you've got only 5% of the network hash power backing you, then some other pool with 15% hash power can, can literally just flip on a switch and 51% attack your chain at no cost to themselves. No cost. Like, not, not even the cost of mining a few invalid blocks. Mm -hmm. So the point, so that's basically the, one of the issues that I think people are concerned about. And also just from a philosophical standpoint, I think the reason why people like cryptocurrencies is because they allow innovation without permission. Mm -hmm. you, don't, you, you don't have to ask like Apple, 
Apple or or some existing existing financial system or anyone anyone else. If you want to set up a cryptocurrency, you just do it, and it's pretty much the people that are the ones that are going to either accept it or not. So here, if you do a side chain, the problem is is that you you're going back to to the old paradigm on some extent. You're basically saying you have to convince the uh, a small set of Bitcoin mining pools to agree to mine on your chain, and if you don't get over fifty percent, then you're insecure. Yeah. Uh, so are you overall positive about this development? I think it's a very in- interesting te- interesting idea. Like as, I was, as I was saying, it fills in a quadrant that hasn't existed before. And generally, uh, you know, the reason why business people love talking about quadrants is, uh, and, and all sorts of other diagrams of that sort is that when you see... So- see some new technology that fills in a new quadrant, chances are there's some kind of unused unused niche that would really benefit from it. So, yeah, I'm sure they'll find some uses. So, what exactly is Ethereum? Okay, so Ethereum is uh, basically a platform that provides a sort of completely generalized architecture for, for decentralized consensus and that allows you to create basically any basically any kind of decentralized organ- mm-hmm. application. So, people, so, we're talking about things like Making your own current your own currencies, putting on other currencies, decentralized organizations, voting protocols, also things like a name registration, name coin, any kind of financial contract, financial mar- financial marketplaces. So, just about anything that's based on this this paradigm of some kind of internal state and 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 some concept of of, of transactions, whether that's orders in orders in an order book, transactions on a balance sheet, registrations in a DNS system, anything. Anything that can benefit from that sort of functionality, Ethereum contracts can cover. Uh, if when people refer to Ethereum as an altcoin, do you find that this is an inaccurate uh, portrayal? Yeah. So. The word altcoin is used in uh, several different, somewhat exclusive con- uh, or semi-exclusive uh, contexts. So sometimes people will use the word altcoin to refer to something which is based on a, modif- a modification on the Bitcoin source code specifically. So Ethereum is not; it's a complete rewrite from scratch. Um, like literally, I think we even even some of the hashing libraries we use are different. So the uh, another. Uh, way of uh, thinking about altcoins as just as alternative cryptocurrencies, cryptocurrencies that are not Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So, in that sense, Ethereum can, Ethereum contains altcoins. It contains Ether, which is, which I suppose you could call an altcoin. It contain it all contain thousands of altcoins and contracts. But it's uh, Ethereum itself is this generalized platform. So. Like in Bitcoin, for just uh, as another another sort of analogy, the Bitcoin wallet and the Bitcoin client are synonyms. In Ethereum, the Ethereum client is sort of a layer on the bottom, and the Ethereum wallet is an application that sits on top. So the coins are on top, or the platform. And you've also developed your own scripting language for this called Serpent, based on Python. Um, so why did you decide to do this? Yep. So the idea was was that there's uh, so in the uh, Ethereum uh, tracked implementation, and you also find this in uh, the more the more limited language that's Bitcoin script. It's this uh, stack based programming language. It's uh, very easy step by step for computers to verify, but it's but it's really annoying to write in. It's this sort of set of uh, set of stack stack and memory operations that are sort of somewhat somewhat opaque. It's like okay, what does push one zero push one thirty two slow mean um, so what we decided, what I realized from the start is that is that what I wanted ethereum to do is I wanted ethereum to make things very trivial I wanted to make you know I wanted people to do namecoin in two lines of code create your own currency in, in ten lines so that's something that we've been uh, 
heavily pushing, but in order for that to be a reality, it also requires there to be easy-to-use tools for actually building some of these contracts. So Serpent, it's, it was originally uh, named the CL, CL, CLL, CL, the C-like language. So it's a sort of programming language that's very very simple, but then there's a compiler to compile it down to this uh, uh machine machine code so yeah so that's something we've been developing over several months just a few days ago i renamed that serpents uh, because it's basically python <laughs> and uh, and i've uh, really just sort of fleshed the whole thing out it's got it's got variables it's got arrays it's got it's got uh, cer certain simple functions so it's it's a, a language that it, that i really Want to want to see sort of target that that really nice nice convenience where you, you almost don't need don't really need to think about the un, the underlying programming bits. You sort of just write the code. Right. Um, where do you see Ethereum uh, in ten years' time? Um, I suppose hopefully hopefully same, same place something like TCP/IP is today. Yeah. yeah. So you see it as really taking over and becoming an integral part of uh, programming and of te the technology sphere. Yeah, it'll. Uh, I mean, if if it if it succeeds, then I then I hope that it that it will become an integral part of at least the, at least the the part of the of the technological sphere that could benefit from it. Right. Do you see it taking over from Bitcoin? Um, that's uh, so. There's uh, several different applications for Bitcoin. I find like the Bitcoin does do certain things really well. It's a very very good store of value. It's got that. It's got that finite supply. It's uh, it's a good way of sending transactions. But at the same time, Ether and and Ethereum is uh, better for things things like smart contracts, things like building your own things on top of it. So, I think we we could easily see Bitcoin remaining as this sort of this sort of scarce digital gold, and then all the other assets, sort of special purpose assets doing their own different thing. So, whereas um, Bitcoin is the gold, perhaps Ethereum is uh, platinum or diamonds. <laughs> sometimes we like to use cryptographic oil sometimes. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Yeah, thank you. For extra material and any links mentioned in this podcast, please visit naomibrockwell.com. If you'd like to watch the video version, please visit Naomi Brockwell TV on YouTube, BitChute or DTube. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future.